Hello and welcome back to That's What I Call Jones History. I'm your host, Christina. We're going to take another journey into some African lore. Before we do jump into it, wherever you're listening to this podcast, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. And if you want to send any type of feedback for this podcast or any other podcast that I do, blackercouch at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment below. So we're going to talk about a few different topics. Sources will be below from which I will be reading, but we're going to go into more of the, uh, the cultural mythology, if you will. Let's discuss Akan religion first. The Akan people of Ghana and Ivory Coast believe in a supreme god who takes on various names depending upon the region of worship. Akan mythology claims that at one time the god interacted with man, but that after being continually struck by the pestle of an old woman pounding fufu, a traditional Gahanan food, he moved far up into the sky. That sounds like a likely excuse, sir. Later, bitch, get fucked! There are no priests that serve him directly and make people believe that they may make direct contact with him. There are also numerous spirits, a bosom, who receive their power from the Supreme God and are most often connected to the world as it appears in its natural state. These include ocean and riverine spirits and various local deities. Priests serve individual spirits and act as mediators between the gods and mankind. Nearly everyone participates in daily prayer, which includes the pouring of libations as an offering to both the ancestors who are buried in the land and to the spirits who are everywhere. The earth is seen as a female deity and is directly connected to fertility and fecundity. Allah is a goddess of the Igbo African people of Eastern Nigeria, the daughter of the great god Chuku. She is the mother goddess of the earth, ruler of the underworld, guardian of the harvest, and goddess of fertility for both people and animals. According to Igbo beliefs, Allah makes a or Allah makes a child grow within its mother's womb. She remains near and watches over the child as the child grows into an adult. Later, when the individual dies, Allah receives him or her into her womb, known as the pocket of Allah. The goddess is also a lawgiver who shows people how to live a good life. Her laws emphasize moral values such as honesty. Throughout the Igbo region, Allah is worshipped in a large, in large square houses with open sides. These structures called Mabari contain life-size mud figures of the goddess painted in bright colors. Usually, Allah is surrounded by sculptures representing other deities, animals, and humans. 
Odinani encompasses the traditional religious and spiritual concepts and practices of Igbo. It's a paneo, panatheistic faith. Huh, I'm not sure about that, what that means. Let's find out. In layman's terms, considers God in the world to be interrelated with the world being in God and God being in the world. In Odanani, there is one supreme God called Chukwu. Igbo, it means great spirit, who was before all things and heads over smaller deities called Alusi. There are different Alusi for different purposes. The most important of them is Allah, the earth goddess. A traditional herbalist slash priest among the Igbo is called Dibia. A shoe, also known as Elegba or Legba, is a trickster god of the Yoruba people in Nigeria in West Africa. He is unpredictable, sly, and fond of pranks that can be cruel and disruptive. Does he not sound like another Norse god named Loki? I am a god, you dull creature! That would be interesting if they brought a character like that into the series. Eshu, who knows all the languages spoken on Earth, serves as a messenger between the gods and people. He also carries up to heaven the sacrifices that people offer to the gods. According to one story, Eshu became the messenger after playing a trick on the high god. He stole yams from the god's garden, used the god's slippers to make footprints there, and then suggested that the god had stolen the yams himself. Annoyed, the high god ordered Ashu to visit the sky every night and tell him what happened on earth during the day. Ashu enjoys confusion. Many stories tell of tricks he plays that cause arguments between friends or between husbands and wives. In one myth, he lured the sun and moon into changing places, which upset the cosmic order. As the god of change, chance and uncertainty Ishu is sometimes paired with Ifa, a god representing order in one tale Ashu claimed that he would ruin Ifa, who laughingly replied if you transform yourself I shall do the same and if I die you will die for so it has been ordained in heaven I feel like that was the equivalent of get the fuck out of my face with that shit Followers of traditional African religions pray to various secondary deities, such as Ogun, forgive me all fucked up pronunciations, Da, Agwu, Esu, Mbari, Theorak, etc., as well as to their ancestors. These secondary gods serve as intermediaries between humans and the Creator God. Most indigenous African societies believe in a single single creator god, which we've heard a few of previously, such as Chukwu, Nami, Olodumer, Nikengi, or Ingai, Raj, etc. Some recognize a dual or complementary twin god, such as mawa lisa 
for example in one of the yoruba creation myths olodumer the supreme god is said to have created obatala a secondary deity who then created humans on earth olodumer then infused those human creations with life some societies also deify entities like the earth the sun the sea lightning or nature each deity has its own priest or priestesses there are many or more similarities than differences in all african traditional religions often god is worshipped through consultation or communion with lesser deities and ancestral spirits the deities and spirits are honored through libation or libation sacrifice of animals vegetables or precious metals the will of god is sought by the believer also through consultation or consultation of oracular deities or divination in many african traditional religions there is a belief in a cyclical nature of reality the living stand between their ancestors and the unborn african traditional religions embrace natural phenomena such as ebb and tide waxing and waning moon rain and drought and the rhythmic pattern of agriculture according to gotolib and mibiti quote the environment and nature are infused in every aspect of african traditional religions and culture this is largely because cosmology cosmology and beliefs are intricately intertwined with the natural phenomena and environment all aspects of weather thunder lightning rain day moon sun stars and so on may become amendable to control through the cosmology of african people natural phenomena are responsible for providing people with their daily needs end quote let's talk about another uh god since we uh after we've discussed how they intersperse with each other we mentioned her briefly but el ife also known as ife or if lodun is the holy city of the yoruba people who live in nigeria and west africa il ife appears in myths as the birthplace of creation and the location where the first humans took form according to yoruba mythology the world was originally a marshy watery wasteland in the sky above live many gods including the supreme god olorun the owner of the sky these gods sometimes descended from the sky on spider webs and played in the marshy waters but there was no land or human being there one day alarun called orisha or irisha nila the great god and told him to create solid land in the marshy waters below he gave orisha a pigeon is it orisha i'm going with orisha orisha a pigeon a hen and a shell of a snail containing some loose earth orisha descended to the waters and threw the loose earth into a small space he then set loose the pigeon and hen which began to scratch the earth and move it around soon the birds had covered a large area of the marshy waters and created solid ground orisha reported back to olorun who sent a chameleon to see what had been accomplished 
the chameleon found that earth was wide but not very dry after a while olaroon sent the creature to inspect the work again this time the chameleon discovered a wide dry land which was called if meaning wide and il meaning house all other earthly dwellings later sprang from il if and it was revered forever after as a sacred spot it remains the home of the oni who is the spiritual leader of the yoruba most indigenous african religions have a dualistic concept of the person in the igbo language a person is said to be composed of a body and a soul in the yoruba language however there seems to be a tripartite conception in addition to the body and soul there is said to exist a spirit and an ori an independent entity that meditates or otherwise interacts between the body and the soul some religions or religious systems have a specific devil-like figure for example ek winsu who is believed to be the opposite of god we also have that in christian mythology it's called the devil these are important different but related parts of beliefs about interactions between the natural and supernatural seen and unseen worlds magician magicians witches shamans and sorcerers are said to have the skills to bring about or manipulate the relations between the two worlds abuse of this ability is widely condemned magic witchcraft and sorcery are parts of many indigenous religions let's talk about another creator god called katanda the creator god worshipped by the uganda people of east africa is considered the father of the gods as well as the king and judge of the universe he has many different titles including kajingo master of life this one's going to be hard guladin the gigantic one namujinga the shaper and sasawanku sasawanaku the eternal one according to the buganda katanda rules over a vast number of spirits that help him run the universe he ranks the spirits of the dead on the basis of their worthiness making them advisors warriors and even slaves spirits that are ranked may return as animals to earth where they are respected by humans unranked spirits are not allowed on earth and the living perform rituals to keep them away katanda's main spirit helpers are kibuka the god of war and walumb uh, walumbe the spirit of death after organizing the spirit world and ranking the spirits katanda leaves his deputies to run the universe he only becomes involved to act as a judge in very difficult matters involving the spirits kabuka is the war god of the buganda tribe of east africa according to legend the king of the buganda asked kabuka's brother the great god mukasa for assistance in a war help me help me nigga mukasa sent kabuka to help but told him to be sure the enemy did not know where he was stationed he also warned his brother to avoid contact with the opponent's women on one occasion kabuka stayed hidden in a cloud 
where he killed the enemy by shooting arrows winning the battle for the buganda afterwards kabuka became interested in a woman taken as a prisoner and took her back to his hut when she discovered who he was she escaped and told her people about his hiding place in the cloud during his next battle the enemy archers shot arrows into the cloud where kabuka was hiding and killed him which teaches everyone a lesson or men a lesson about letting their dicks (laughs) lead them astray various bantu speaking peoples of central and southern africa believe in a supreme deity called lisa a sky god and creator spirit lisa is the subject of several myths according to a story told by the basubia people leza taught humans different arts as well as the proper way to worship him when he finished lisa returned to his home in the sky on a spider web the people tried to follow him but the spider web broke and they fell to earth in a legend told by ila by the ila people a woman who had lost all the members of her family decided to find lisa to ask him why he made her experience such sorrow she built a ladder to the sky but it crashed to earth while searching for a road to the sky she told the sad story to the people she met they explained that all people were meant to suffer and that she was not alone in her sorrow the woman never found lisa and she too eventually died and yet another story told by the Kayande people lisa once gave three gourds to a honey bird and instructed it to take them to humans he told the bird that two of the gourds contained seeds and that humans could open these the third gourd however should remain closed until uh, until lisa came to earth while carrying the gourds the bird became curious and opened all of them two held seeds but the third contained death sickness and dangerous animals lisa could not capture these unpleasant things so humans were forced to build shelters to protect themselves i truly like how these uh these stories lead into practicality the nyamwezi people of tanzania and the east africa worship malung that's a lot of use malungu as the god who created all things and who watches over the earth although he created the world mulungu is a very distant god with no personal relationship with living beings according to legend mulungu once lived on earth he left and went to live in heaven because some people set fire to the landscape causing devastation and killing many other people unable to climb the tree that linked heaven and earth mulungu asked spider to help him travel up to the sky spider climbed up spun a thread and let one end of the thread fall to earth mulungu followed the thread up to heaven in the mythology of the nyanga people of central africa mawindo was a hero with supernatural powers who had many adventures his story is told in the epic of mawindo he was the son of shimwindo a powerful chief who had seven wives shimwindo decreed that his wives should bear only female children and that he would kill any male child they produced six of his wives gave birth to females then his favorite wife niam window had a boy 
What did he say? The child emerged from her middle finger and could walk and talk immediately. She named him Imwindo and not something like uh fuck off because it came out of her middle finger. <laughs> when Shimwindo found out about his boy, he tried to kill him with his spear. But Mimwindo used magic to protect himself, and it's a good thing that he did. Shimwindo then buried the child alive, but Mimwindo escaped. Next, the father sealed his son in a drum and threw him into a river to drown. Again, Mimwindo used his magic powers to travel beneath the water. Mwindo decided to visit his aunt Ayangura. Ayangura's husband tried to stop him by setting traps. With the help of animal spirits, Mwando once again escaped the traps and met his aunt. I don't know. I might have said at that point this trip ain't, trip ain't worth it. A guard called upon Master Lightning to strike Mwendo down, but Mwendo's magic made the lightning bolts miss. Later, Mwendo led his uncles to his father's village, intending to punish Mwendo as he should. They killed all the villagers and destroyed the village. Shimwindo fled to the underworld, followed by Mwindo. There, Mwindo met with the ruler of the underworld, Muisa, who promised to reveal Shimwindo's hiding place if Mwindo performed some tasks for him. Mwindo did so, but twice Muisa tried to kill Mwindo, and twice Mwindo, uh, Min, it's Mwindo, used a magic scepter to save himself. Finally, Mwindo tracked down his father. Shimwindo apologized for trying to kill Mwindo and agreed to share his kingdom with his son. Mwindo then rebuilt the village and restored all the villagers to life. This is also why the scepter rod is a signal of royal authority or, or wand, if you will. <laughs> and mine, I'm totally going to be using scepters instead of wands. Later, Mwindo killed a dragon that was a friend of Master Lightning. As punishment, Mwindo was taken up to the sky where he had to endure blazing heat from the sun and terrible cold and rain. After a year and after Mwindo promised never to kill another living thing, the spirits of the sky let him return to Earth. From then on, Mwindo ruled his kingdom in peace, instructing his people to live in harmony, to avoid jealousy and hatred, to accept every child, and to be kind to the sick that man had a rough life he had a that god had a rough life divine twins called the namo figure prominently in the creation stories of the dogon people of mali in west africa the Nomo were the offspring of the union of ama the supreme god who represents the male spirit and the earth a female spirit lonely ama wanted to have a child with the earth However, their first attempt did not produce a child, but a jackal. Ama went to the earth a second time. This time, their union had the perfect result. Twins, called the Numo. One male and one female. The top half of each twin was human and the bottom half resembled a serpent. They each had green skin and hair, red eyes, forked tongues, and wavy arms without joints. The Numo represented light and water the life force of creation when the twins looked down from heaven they saw the earth 
was naked. They went down to earth bearing plants and wove the fibers of the plants around the bare earth. The first wind arose as a result of the twins' activity and the language began. The jackal, however, became jealous that the earth had language. By stealing the earth's clothing, which contained language, the jackal received the power of speech. Ama was so upset by this attack on the earth that he decided to create living things without her help. The Numo realized Ama's decision meant that no more twins would be born. To make sure that the birth of twins would continue, they drew on the ground a picture of a male and a female. According to tradition, all humans have both a male and a female soul at birth. This actually might actually uh, tie to science in some ways. Back to uh, Yorobu and their mythology, Oleron is the most powerful and wisest deity. The all-knowing God takes an active role in the affairs of both heaven and earth. Head of the Yorubi Pantheon, Olorun is also known as Olofin Orun, Lord of Heaven, or Oba Orun, King of the Sky, and Olodomaya as Almighty. According to Yoruba legend, Olorun was one of two original creator gods. The other was the goddess of Olakun. In the beginning, the universe consisted only of sky and a formless chaos of marshy water. Olorun ruled the sky while Olakun ruled the vastly or vast marshy waters below. There were thousands of other gods, but none that had as much knowledge or power as Olorun. Although Olakun was content with her watery kingdom, a lesser god named Abatala had ideas about improving her kingdom. He went to Olorun and suggested creation of solid land with fields and forests hills and valleys and various living things to populate it olorun agreed that this would be good and gave abatala permission to create land a deity is considered a god or goddess pantheon is all the gods of a particular culture chaos is great order or confusion uh there's a few others the underworld being the place where uh people the dead is sent which that's that's pretty much a <laughs> that's pretty much a no-brainer there but they do use these terminologies quite a bit in explaining the mythos of uh of what is and isn't in the universe abatala went to arun mila the eldest son of Olorun, and asked how he should proceed. Orun Mila told Obatala to gather gold to make a chain that could be lowered from the sky to the waters below. When the chain was finished, Orun Mila gave Obatala a snail shell filled with the sand, with sand, a white hen, a black cat, and a palm nut. Obatala lowered himself on the chain and poured the sand on the waters. He then released the hen, which scratched at the sand and scattered it in all directions. Any place the sand fell became dry land. Stepping onto the land known as Eif, uh, Obatala built a house, grew palm trees from the palm nut, and lived with the black cat as his companion. Obatala later became lonely and built clay figures. 
Olorun made these figures into humans by breathing life into them. Many gods descended from the sky to live on earth and Olorun told them to listen to the prayers of humans and to protect them. Not pleased by these acts of creation, the water goddess Olakun tried to flood the land to regain the area she had lost. However, Orun Mila used his powers to make the waters recede. Angry that the sky god's son had defeated her, Olakun challenged Olarun to a weaving contest to see who was the more powerful. Because a weaving contest totally, totally would, uh, <laughs> would, <laughs> would settle things. Olakun was a weaver of unequaled skill and knowledge, but every time she made a beautiful cloth, Agamo, Ejmo, the chameleon who carried messages for Olarun changed the color of its skin to match her weaving. When Olakun saw that even Olarun's messenger could duplicate her finest cloths, she accepted defeat and acknowledged Olarun as the supreme god. Sanjata, I believe the last of our gods that we are going to discuss in uh, this particular podcast but we will be doing a part three do not worry sanjata is the hero of an african epic of people living in the southern sahara he may be based on a king named sandiata or sanjata who founded the kingdom of mali around 1240 a.d his story is filled with supernatural elements from the hero's mysterious birth to his extra extraordinary strength the epic of Sanjata begins with the hero's childhood. The son of the king of Manding, Sanjata was born under unusual circumstances. His mother was pregnant with him for eight years when a magical spirit called a genie or genie. Uh, so I'm guessing this called something different. Genie told Sanjata's father that the boy would someday become a great king. As a child, Sanjata performed many amazing deeds and earned the name Mari Dijata, the Lion of Mandy, because he could transform himself into a lion. That makes sense. Also, Simba? <laughs> Sanjata's father grew afraid of him and used his power to paralyze the boy. Man, fathers and sons. But after seven years, the king recognized Sanjata's wisdom and restored his son to health. Sanjata's miraculous deeds continued. He taught wild animals to gather firewood and helped a group of witches bring back to life a boy whom they had killed. Well, why did they kill him? (laughs) By the way, sidebar, an epic in the african sense is a long poem about legendary or historical heroes written in a grand style actually i'm pretty sure that's the basic basic uh <laughs> definition there sanjata lived in the countryside killing 800 elephants and 8,000 lions doesn't that feel like killing your own people though however on the death of his father he returned to manding and won a competition with one of his brothers to become king the young ruler's first task was to kill a terrible beast, a witch in the shape of an animal that had been terrorizing the people. The old witch was impressed by Sanjata's kindness and wisdom that she told him how to kill her. That's sweet. 
He did so and became a hero. <laughs> Later, Sunjata went to war against a wicked king who claimed his throne. After defeating this demon king with the help of his sister, Sanjata went to conquer an extensive area that became the Empire of Mali. And his sister was written out of history and not even given a name. According to the legend, Sanjata ruled with fairness and in peace. That is going to conclude our journey into history this week. If you have any thoughts or feedback, blackgirlcouch.gmail.com, we can leave it below as stated. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.